You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. to Storybrooke Weekly Mirror in Hyperion Heights, the unofficial Once Upon a Time podcast, a poppychuloradio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, October 9th, 2017, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the ABC series, Once Upon a Time. Please welcome my co-hosts, Katie... Hi, guys. It's so exciting to finally be back for another season. Yes, and listeners, I rebooted Katie. He he did. He totally did. I'm Katie 2.0. Yes, I like it. <laughs> and brand new to our panel, Jenna Pace. Welcome, Jenna. Hi, everyone. It's fantastic to be here. We're really excited to have you on, Jenna. Thank you. I can't wait to talk all about the show. Absolutely. And so let's get into it. Let's jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 1, which was titled Hyperion Heights and aired October 6th, 2017. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Henry leaves Storybrooke in search of his own story. Years later, in another realm, he encounters a troubled Cinderella changing the trajectory of his quest forever. When Cinderella's evil stepmother, Lady Tremaine, poses a threat, Henry discovers that following his heart will require him to make more difficult choices than he ever could have imagined. Years later, a young Lucy finds a disillusioned Henry at his home in Seattle, determined to make him remember his true self in order to defeat the curse afflicting the fairy tale characters of Hyperion Heights. All right, uh, let's check in on the ratings for season seven, episode one. 
Once Upon a Time christened its new Friday night time slot with 3.3 million total viewers and a 0.7 demo rating. It was down in the demo from both its May finale, 3 million total, 0.9 in the demo, and its season 6 average, 3.2 million total, 0.9 in the demo, which of course aired on Sundays when uh, average viewing levels are significantly higher. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, and let's start off with you, Katie. Okay, well, this was kind of an exciting episode. I mean, it was so different than what we are used to. You know, usually we finish a season, and we're expecting a new plot from continuing on from the last finale to continue through. So it's different this season because we have completely new characters or our characters are much older and we've lost some. And so it's it was a whole different aspect coming into the season. And I personally think that they did a really great job. Um, I really enjoyed the episode. It really felt like a pilot to me. It felt like we were watching a pilot to Once Upon a Time 2.0, which is kind of exciting. Um, if they were going to reboot the series, I I think this was a good way to do it, because um, we still have some of our familiar characters, but they kind of have new personas. We're not getting the same thing that we've been getting for the past six seasons, and we have awesome new characters to really bond with and explore their journeys together throughout this next season. So I I really enjoyed it. I thought there were lots of great moments that kind of harkened back to the pilot of season one. And here we are, you know, seven years later, um, getting a new pilot. So it was kind of fun to um, see the similarities between the two and to see how they compare to each other. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It was a completely different feel than what we're used to, but I, I think it really works. And I think that they are putting their all into the show um, with what they've got. So I, I really enjoyed it. Jenna, what about you? What was your initial reaction to the episode, Hyperion Heights? Okay, so going into season seven, there was a lot to be afraid of. We're moving to a new night. A lot of the main cast is leaving. We're introducing a bunch of new regulars. I think it was safe to say a lot of people were going in scared. I was feeling pretty good about it, but I will admit there was like the tiniest bit of fear. I am so happy to say I, that fear was for nothing. This was a fantastic episode. It was definitely a requel, as, um, Eddie, as Adam and Eddie mentioned in their interviews, because it definitely it, it, has, it has that feeling of continuity, but also it feels like but it does feel like a reboot too because there's so many different there's so many different characters and plot points being brought in the concept of jumping to different books has so much potential and they're really going all in with the with their imagination visual style is is a little different and i don't know they're taking it things are both more both optimistic also a little darker too but i'll get into that a little bit later but yeah i was just very pleasantly surprised and very happy all right i co-signed with both of you i was Yay! a little yeah, worried yeah. yes i was a little worried over the summer i'm not even gonna lie about what it was gonna be like but i found myself really enjoying it 
I like the term requel, but I don't like that the, the re in requel is reboot, when I think the more appropriate term is reset. Because I feel like a reboot makes it sound like they're just doing everything all over again. And reset, I think, is a little bit more appropriate, because they, like, reset the board, basically, and uh, we're getting this sequel, this continuing saga, featuring some of our favorite characters, a couple of them grown up, and brand new players on the board as well. And uh, I thought it was very well done. It did feel like a pilot, and it felt like a pilot with familiar faces, if that even makes any sense. And um, I like what they did so far i was very worried about like these 2.0 versions of characters but i feel like each of the characters that have an alternate um version really stood out as themselves like i didn't think of the cinderella we saw a couple of seasons ago when I saw this Cinderella. I didn't think of Lady Tremaine, etc, etc, etc. So they, the actors and the writers really did a great job of making each character their own. So kudos to uh, the writers and uh, to the actors and uh, we'll break all of uh, the episode down in just a moment before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Once Upon a Time. Here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. Poppychularadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash Poppy Chulo Radio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming.
Thanks, announcer. Alright, let's get into it. A quick shout-out to the opening title card, which was a little different. Uh, it featured uh, a Seattle backdrop and the Space Needle, as well as some new transitions and animations. Uh, like, the thing that I noticed immediately was the O in Once Upon a Time having, like, a, a mirrored effect, which... That was it. Was interesting how how they did it. So it mm -hmm. it was new and it was different. So it started off, you know, the episode off, you know, by basically, you know, continuing on that this is going to be something different. So at the very start, though, we pick up in Storybrooke and uh, we see a, I guess, fresh out of high school Henry, basically telling Regina that. He finished the book. He doesn't feel fulfilled as an author. He needs to go and live his story because once he completed the Once Upon a Time book and he placed it back in the Sorcerer's Mansion, he noticed that there were all these other books. And there's an Italian Snow White and a French Snow White, etc., etc., but none of those books included him. So he needs to go out and uh, find his own story, basically. And so, with the help of a magic bean and a motorcycle, he creates a portal and uh, starts, you know, his own adventure. And we pick up years later in a new realm. We see Henry riding through the forest and he uh, narrowly, like, avoids collision with a carriage that, uh, you know, the, the near collision ends up, uh, you know, throwing the woman from her carriage to the ground, and he realizes that he has uh, run into, uh, or nearly ran into, this realm's version of Cinderella. So, let's discuss the opening of the show, this requel, Season 7 of Once Upon a Time. What did you all think of the opening? I know that this scene was released over the summer, so now seeing it on the television screen, what did you all think of the opening of Season 7? Katie? It was fun. Um, I think it was a really great way to kind of transition into the new period that we'll be seeing throughout the season. Um, it kind of gave us the basic information that we needed to go through to, you know, why is Henry in this new enchanted forest? Why is he in Hyperion Heights? Why has he grown so much older? And why is he not with his family anymore? So it gave us the necessary answers that we needed. And even though, you know, it was kind of a short scene, I think it was done well. Um, I like how they hearken back to August um, with the motorcycle, um, with Henry riding it. That was, that was mm -hmm. fun. Um, but it just, it was really nice. And I liked how I loved the transition cinematically, um, how Henry was riding off on his motorcycle as a young um or as a teen to transitioning to him riding through the enchanted forest as a young adult um i think that that was done very well and i just it was fun you know it was we think back to the pilot or not even the pilot sorry the second episode i believe it was when snow and charming met and this is kind of a throwback to that um except they did it in more of a fun way where we see the modern world's quite literally, um, run into the Enchanted 
the Enchanted Forest realm um, when Henry basically runs into Cinderella's carriage. Um, that, that was really fun just to see how that um, worked out on scene uh, and just to see their reactions to each other and to see um, that it, the true love stories on the show kind of harken back to each other and the fact that the woman's always knocking over her true her eventual true true love with a rock or with her even just punching him like um cinderella did to henry um so you know you know you're in for a good a good love story when the woman knocks the man out and then runs away so uh that was kind of fun just to throw us back to um snow and charming's relationship um with their grandson so i thought it was a fun opening i really did enjoy it jenna what about you okay so um i first i don't know if you guys noticed this but compared to the um there was actually a line that was in the comic-con trailer that was taken out um in during the scene where regina is saying goodbye to henry she also mentions like i don't know how you talked emma and snow and charming into this and that wasn't in the pilot or that was oh that's um, right 701 I completely so, yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, that is true. I'm sure they probably cut it for time, but I think that is an important line. Mm-hmm. It is, and I was really sad to see it go. Um, but other than that, I really the moment between uh between Regina and Henry, especially because they got Jared Gilmore to come back, was just so heartwarming. It's just it's just such a cute moment, and then um. I really did like the transition, like Katie said, with um, Jared Gilmore going on the motorcycle to Andrew West appearing, and you get that sense for the the time that's passed. You get like your feeling for the fact that Henry's a man now. Um, this is a this is a completely new this is like a new Henry in a way, but you can also like but you also see like the old Henry in there too a little bit. And then I love the design of the carriage when he uh, that Cinderella's riding, and it's just such an epic moment. There, he's there uh, with the collision, that beautiful field of blue flowers, um, and then noticing the glass slipper. It immediately puts you in the action. It makes you feel like, yep, this is be- this is the beginning of a new story. We're throwing you right into the to all the good stuff. Get ready for the get ready for the new romance. Get ready to get excited again. Absolutely, yeah, I completely agree with both of you. I thought the opening was very well done. I mean, it was kind of a shame, but obviously, it, it's for uh, reasons of availability that it wasn't like the entire family there saying goodbye to him. I'm going to assume that in a later episode, we'll see him sort of say farewell to Emma and Hook by themselves and whatnot. But but um, there was a part of me that was like, oh, I wish the Charmings were there and Emma and Hook and yada yada. But uh, unfortunately, we didn't see that, and which is fine. I understand. Andrew J. West is a really good Henry. Like, I think they did a really good job casting him as older Henry. Sometimes the... Uh, you know, the, the child to adult or the adult to child casting can be a little wonky. 
but for the most part, I think they do a really great job, and I think they did an awesome job this time around. I also noticed the carriage as well, and I was like, okay, it's familiar, yet different, which was nice, because obviously we're in a different realm. This is a different Cinderella. I hope that they do not call it the Enchanted Forest, just because that would be hella confusing. So hopefully that uh, area is called something different. I was looking up in the Wikipedia of the show, and right now they're calling it the Magical Forest, which I can dig that. Oh, I think that's yeah, fine. That's cool. that's I don't fine. know if that's official canon yet or if that's just what they're calling it for now, but I, I like Magical Forest, so if that's what it officially will be, I'm perfectly fine with that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. I, I kind of like that, though. Yeah. It really works. I think so as well. So... If you've been following us here on Storybook Weekly Mirror, what we usually do is we focus on the flashbacks first, and then we do the present day stuff afterwards. Uh, we will be doing that, probably starting with the next episode onward, but because we got so many new characters this time around, I feel like discussing each character would, I guess, make for a smoother recording or at least a smoother podcast this time around so let's continue on with henry as a character throughout this episode what did you all think of henry we can discuss you know pre-curse henry as an adult and then post curse henry in seattle what did you think of henry jenna okay well um we're, if we're talking precurse Henry, I love his optimism. He never for he never loses the benefit of the doubt towards Cinderella, even as he's learning that she wants to kill the prince. He's like, "No, don't do that. Come with me to this realm." And he and he he's not even too pissed at her that he that she knocked him out and stole his motorcycle. And just um, I really love his chemistry. I know we're going to get into her soon with uh, Dania playing a. Uh, Jacinda dash Cinderella. The dance sequence. I've actually rewatched that several times. I, it's just such a <laughs> cool scene. Those two, like those two, kind of like having a duel of wits almost. But yep, Henry has that optimism. Even like when Alice is saying, "Hey, your grandpa's saying this is dangerous and scary, and you know you should probably listen to him because he usually is right about all this crazy magic stuff." Henry's like. You know what? I know I'm, I know that's that's probably true, but she needs my help. I'm going to help her anyways. Um, do you want to do all the pre-curse stuff first, or can I go into the post-curse stuff too? You can go into anything Henry-related. Okay, um, I'm going to just step into the post-curse. He has the perfect job. An Uber driver is going to be really great. <laughs> you mean Swift. Swift, you're right. Yep. <laughs> I love the opening scene establishing his profession. It, I, I'm just now realizing how it harkens back to Emma and her profession in a way. There's like that lonely feeling even as you're taking all these people to their different mm -hmm. social events. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yep. I also adore his chemistry, well, with Jacinda in the post-curse world and also with Lucy. So that's really good. Um, I also, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I kind of like at the end, he hasn't taken a full step into believing yet. 
he's taken like some of Lucy's words to heart, but it's also a very small step. Like, not and especially when compared to like Emma in the original pilot, who agrees to stay in town for a week, which is a much bigger step. Henry's Henry still kind of makes what the audience could perceive as the wrong decision by by telling Officer Rogers where Jacinda is, and um, so. But he still takes part of Lucy's. He takes like Lucy's words about just starting the story to heart. So it's a nice way to like get that little bit of trust, but also showing just he has a much longer way to go. Yeah, that's. I like that. I like all the points you made, Jenna. What about you, Katie? <laughs> well, I definitely one hundred percent agree with everything that Jenna said. Um, you. I yeah, I love I loved that most about the precurse Henry was that he still had the optimism that we saw in young Henry throughout the seasons. Um, Harken back to when he was a child in the pilot when he, you know, beyond anything believed that this these fairy tales were true, and to see him kind of carry that optimism even through everything that he's gone through into this new era of his life was uh, very poignant and um, it just worked very well and Andrew J. West acted that out very well. You could tell that he took cues from Jared Gilmore and um, it just, it transitioned us into this new Henry very well. Um, I too really loved that ball scene where, you know, he just brought brought everything that makes Henry Henry to that scene. And it was just so great. It, it was fun. You can tell that he's there for the adventure. He's there to um, bring himself into the stories and to experience them. And then as we move to Hyperion Heights, we see a different version of Henry that we've never, or we've only seen very little before. I can remember a few episodes during the first six seasons where Henry was a little down and doubtful. Um, but, and that's kind of what we're getting now, except more, um, more so this time. Um, and you can tell that there's, there's stories that go along with that. Um, obviously he's cursed, but there's also stuff that goes along with this that's gotten him to this point. Um, and it's going to be kind of fun to unravel what they are. Um, I loved... I love when he first met Jacinda and he just kind of just like staring at her and, uh, you know, doing all that he can not to have his mouth hanging open. And you can tell that you could tell that there's a connection there. And um, seeing him meet Lucy for the first time, too, was fun as well. And um, it's just he still has that adventure side to him. and He still has some of that hope in him and some of that belief in him. It's just really buried beneath the cursed persona that he has. And so it's going to be fun to really unpack that all and to um, explore what's gotten him to this point and where it's going to go from here. So it, it was fun. I think I think Andrew J. West did a fantastic job playing two really two versions of one character that we have known for six seasons and to just kind of give him a new spin and a fresh new take on him. So I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I echo both of you. I thought 
he did a really good job at showing us, like Henry, the heart of the truest believer in, uh, I guess we'll call him the flashbacks of uh, the time before the curse when he is in, uh, I don't know, we'll call it the magical forest, and he's uh, meeting Cinderella for the very first time. I mean, I'll echo what both of you said about uh, the ball scene. I thought it was really well done. I thought he had really great chemistry with everyone in the cast. That scene with Alice mm -hmm. was really well done. We'll get into Alice a little bit later. And uh, him and uh, Ronnie were really good together as well. I, I feel like he just, he did a good job of bringing that, um, that, that Henry optimism in the uh, flashback and uh, you know showing us a really disillusioned Henry in uh, the present and I'm looking forward to seeing exactly what happened whether it's is it just the curse or did something actually happen that uh, turned him this way I'm, I'm hoping that it's more so just the curse because it's it'd be a little sad to see Henry sad basically because he was such a positive character throughout the the series's entire run, you know, when he was younger. So we'll have to see and find, you know, wait and find out, I should say. Now, as far as the other returning characters, the one that received the most screen time was Regina's cursed personality, Ronnie. So let's talk everything Ronnie. What did you all think of Ronnie? And I'm going to start off first because I love me some Regina. I was worried because I was like, she's going to be cursed and she's going to be a little different. But there was still a lot of Regina in Ronnie, which I liked. There was a lot of Regina, like the redeemed Regina, the Regina that learned from her mistakes and I like seeing that I mean obviously she's got a new costume she's got a new look she's got a new outlook on life but I thoroughly enjoyed Ronnie I liked her scenes with uh, Henry and I really enjoyed her with uh, the villain Victoria Belfry I thought like Ronnie did a really great job of sort of like getting her groove back and uh, standing up to Victoria. Her monologue at the end of the episode was really well written and very well done. And uh, it showed an immense amount of growth uh, over the course of an episode for this character who also, much like Henry, seemed very disillusioned and seemed ready to give in to uh, whatever was, you know, whatever was going to happen, the, the gentrification of her neighborhood. But after meeting Henry and, and um, you know, seeing everything that happened to Jacinda, she decided that she wasn't going to uh, lay back and uh, watch as her neighborhood changed. Uh, she was going to fight, and uh, I really like that. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to be doing with Ronnie. What about both of you? Jenna, what did you think of Ronnie? Okay, so I loved her. Um, so one thing that was going on before um, 
well, before it was revealed that Regina was going to be bartender, during the hiatus early on, I was thinking, what could they do to make, to like really make Regina's cursed personality work, to make it really different? Because we saw, we've always seen Regina in positions of power, so what if we put her kind of in a way where she really wasn't? And, but like something that still allows her to keep her sass. And the show kind of ended up really doing that. And I think we're going to, I think, well, she's a, I think she's definitely a bartender and a respected person in the town. I think she's going to be only gain, she's going to be gaining power from here. And she's starting at this low point. So it's a really interesting um, uh, juxtaposition to who, to what the position we usually see her in, where she's, she's uh, magically talented and she's financially well off and she has the power in this town to where she's a little bit lower and she definitely gained a big step uh stepping up to belfry and also i i agree jeff i love her chemistry uh with belfry and i am total shipper trash so i am totally kind of shipping them right now um so i was really happy to see uh ronnie in that position i liked her interactions with henry like it's really cool to see how subtle the mother's son connection happens because unintentionally like he and uh and kind of, and well, because they are related, Jacinda kind of like help make help that spark in her that and that convinces her to fight on. Also, um, I want to talk about her wardrobe because Ronnie is really, really pretty. I love her hair. I love her outfits. Just yeah, I love the hair too. I love the I love the mm-hmm. wardrobe. Yeah, and uh, I guess we'll call them Belf Ronnie. That'll be their shipping name. <laughs> yeah, I come up with something better, bro. Yeah, I know. That was the <laughs> only thing that I could think of, you know, because the R in Belfry and could lead Veronica. into Ronnie. Ronicone? No. There you go. That's better. <laughs> Ronicone? It's Lady it flows. Rony. It flows better. <laughs> I don't know about that one, but well, we'll, it, it we'll see if that'll top Swan Queen. Yep. Ship names oh. in this show are fantastic. They are. They are. So, first of all, I feel like I can't top what y'all said because everything you said is so true. And uh, it was what I felt, too. Um, anything you give to Lana Priya, I feel like she's just going to nail spot on because she does such a great job with it. And she didn't disappoint. I mean... The creators made a good point when they said that she's never really had a cursed persona before. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of her first, Lana Priya's first chance at acting that out. And she did a really great job because not only did we get a different take on her character, but it still gave us a little bit of what she always has been, which is fun, you know. It's new. It's fresh. But it's also familiar and not in a bad way it's familiar in a good way um at first um, when we first saw her I was like oh I love her hair her hair is always spot on and I love how they gave they let her hair go curly they let her be wearing denim she's got princess curls (laughs) I know Uh, but it's just I love the way that they dressed her and that they did her makeup and her um her hair was just fantastic, and um, her personality is is so fun. It's just, at first, at first, 
you didn't know if she was going to give in to um, Victoria, but, you know, you see the hints of what Regina always has been, and you know that something good is coming. And when she stood up to Victoria, it was great, that speech um, where we had the different monologues, or the, sorry, the different um, scenes happening over the speech she was giving was just great. It was a great ending to the episode, um, or lead into the ep- end of the episode. And it was just, it was very classic Regina, but with a fresh new spin on it, because she she has this cursed persona, and she just played it so well, and I can't say anything else that you guys already haven't said, except that she nailed the character, and I'm really excited to see where she goes from here. Awesome. Well, the next two characters that showed up that are returning favorites are Hook and uh, Rumple, and since their storyline connected at the end of the episode, I, and to be quite honest, I mean they didn't really have much to do, I figured I will put them together for the purposes of our discussion. So let's discuss everything Rogers and Weaver. Jenna, you can go first. Yes, thank you. Okay, so um, uh, <laughs> Rumple and Hook have been my second favorite dynamic on the show for a, a long time now. About as long as I've been keeping track of as much. Um, I love their rivalry. I feel like their personalities have always kind of been good foils to each other. And I think in Hyperion Heights, that remains true. Um, so to see them now working together is going to... It's just... It makes me so happy because... I feel like their personalities, if they were thrown together, because uh, Hook's got that charmingness, his likable, people can trust him, and Rumpel knows how to get shit done. He's very much the end justifies the means. <laughs> and to see those two work off each other and have to work together and have to find this peace, and kind of be able to find this peace without their rivalry getting in the way, is just so fascinating to me. Um I'm going to talk about them individually for a second. First, Rumple, because damn, his introduction was scary. And I love it because Robert Carlyle is so good at playing scary. One of my favorite scenes to rewatch is from Skin Deep when he's beating up Mo French. It's terrifying, and I love it because, again, it's just such a good performance. He might be my favorite actor on the entire show. Um, I'm really excited to see his interactions with Alice. Uh, we'll get into her a little bit later. And now on to Hook. I love that. I love his nickname, the Eagle Scout. Um, the book and his reaction to the book just my Captain Swan shipper heart just like was so happy as I saw that. <laughs> Same. And also, and also Captain Cobra too. Seeing him and Henry work together, seeing Hook, I mean, Officer Rogers know just the words to calm Henry down by like saying, "Hey, I'm the only one who's helping you out here." cut me a little bit of slack and just being a really just his interactions with these characters are so fantastic and it, it it's like heart eyes all around with the with these two um katie you sounded super excited so i'm gonna let you take it now <laughs> yes well captain swan it, this is not you know won't come as a shock to most people captain swan has always been my favorite and my so favorite. Yay! <laughs> and so, coming into the show, losing Jennifer Morrison was 
Oh, it was very, very hard for me because Emma has always been my favorite. And um, knowing that we were going to have one half of my favorite couple ever from anything I've ever watched or anything like that was very hard. And that was what I was most nervous about to see what is Hook going to be like without Emma. This is, it's not even going to be the same, but they really calmed my fears with the episode and just made me believe in their writing even more because I I thoroughly enjoyed his performance. Um, Colin O'Donoghue does such a fantastic job, and even though we didn't see much of him, he did a good job with the material he was given because, like Lana Priya, he has never had a cursed persona on the show as well. So getting to see him play a new version of his character, was it was so much fun. And it, it's fun that we're going to be exploring Captain Hook as a police officer. Like, this is really something you never only something only once upon a time could do and it's classic once and it just makes me excited because i loved the teases that they gave us um when he especially when he was looking at the fairy tale book and you could see that there's something there that he recognizes and i'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen with that um and then i loved how they brought Rumple in. Like you said, Jenna, his introduction to the show was so classic Rumple. He's always the mysterious one, always doing something really nefarious, and you never know what to feel about him. Like, is he good? Is he bad? What is what is he even doing? And Robert Carlyle does such a fantastic job with that. And so seeing his introduction to the show, it, it was so classic Rumple um, with his cursed persona. And um, then getting to see that he's now going to be working with Hook is exciting because they've always had this enemy relationship between them um, where sometimes they're forced to have to work together and sometimes, you know, Rumpel's doing things behind the scenes to still get back at Hook um, even though they're forced to work together. So it's going to be really exciting to see how their relationship works together in Hyperion Heights. So um, also... Rumple's name Weaver is perfect. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like how they did that. That was that was kind of fun. But um, I'm really excited to see what comes from those two. So, yeah. I thought uh, Colin did a really great job with his cursed persona. As has been mentioned, he didn't have a cursed persona when he joined the cast. He was always Hook. So seeing him taking on a different role was really neat. I like Rogers. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with him. It it looks like uh, he's like the goody two-shoes on the squad, and now he's being paired up with the corrupt detective that, (laughs) you know, does things by any means necessary. And uh, if it's going to go the route that I think it will, they're going to turn into enemies because... uh, Rogers is going to end up threatening him, like, I'm going to tell people what you're doing, or something like that, and I I could see them going down that route. Although, seeing Weaver corrupting sort of like the idealistic Rogers might be interesting as well. So I guess we'll see which route they take. Weaver, I was a teeny tiny bit disappointed that it seems like we're getting just 
Rumple 2.0 or Gold 2.0. I wish that they would have given Rumple a completely different personality than what we're used to with him, because it seems like he's going to be morally ambiguous, kind of like how he was in Storybrooke. So that was the only thing that I found a little disappointing. Like when we saw Weaver, um, I guess, um, torturing a witness or an informant or something, I was like, okay, this is typical Rumpelstiltskin or typical gold in Storybrooke. So that was the only thing that I found a teeny tiny bit disappointing. But... Uh, other than that, I am curious to see what they're going to do with him. I'll be honest, I didn't really hear an accent change, because I, I know that uh, we had reported that I believe Robert Carlyle, like, like a couple episodes in, decided to change uh, Weaver's accent, but to be quite honest, we didn't really hear Weaver talk that much. So... I didn't really notice that much of a change. I was like, I was trying to notice to see because they had to dub it. I was like, was it a bad dub? Was it a good dub? It was a good dub if, you know, they had to dub what he said in this episode because I didn't notice yeah. it yeah. at all. And I, I was, totally forgot about that. Yeah, and I didn't really notice the change, though. I guess maybe once he starts talking a little bit more, we will notice it. I am curious to see his relationship with uh, Alice Tilly in... Uh, Hyperion Heights. That's going to be really interesting as well, because I have my own theory about that, but we'll get into that when we start discussing Alice. So let's start talking about our new characters. We are introduced to Cinderella and her Hyperion Heights counterpart, Jacinda. What did you all think of her, Katie? I really liked her, and I... I feel like I'm in the minority because there's a lot of people who are like, I didn't really connect with her right away and I didn't really like her, but I don't know. Maybe I'm, I know I'm very easy person to please, but I really liked her. I thought she brought just enough, um, grit, I guess you could say to the character. Someone who has, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. She has a lot of spunk and she brought that very well to the character. In my opinion, um, I loved her in the fairy tale world. You know, she wasn't on a quest for a prince. She was there to kill a prince. <laughs> so that's a different take on the Cinderella that we know and love. Um, and it was kind of a fun one. Um, I'm interested for more backstory. Hopefully we'll get more backstory on that. But um, it, was, it was just a different take. And when she met Henry, she wasn't thinking, oh, you know, I'm just going to fall for this guy. No, she knocks him out. And she's like, I ain't going to let another guy stop me from getting my revenge. <laughs> and revenge she, is going to be hers. Literally, literally. That could be her new theme song, I guess. But uh, she knocked Henry out and goes continues on her quest with a stolen vehicle, which is kind of fun. Um, so... Then we move over to Hyperion Heights and see her bring that that sort of spunky attitude with her as well. Um, she is, you know, she's down her luck. She's a single mom trying to make money. Um, I know that that scene will resound well with a lot of single mothers who feel the same. You know, they've got to work overtime. They've got to get any job as they can as possible to provide for their child. And we see that she's doing her best. 
but she's not going to let someone put her down in order to do that. And um, I like how she, instead of just letting that guy talk to her the way he did, she just quit and um, decided to take the higher road, I guess you could say. Um, And it was just an interesting way to do things and to see her character transform from Enchanted Forest to Hyperion Heights. And um, I like how throughout the episode we see her relationship with a lot of the people in Hyperion Heights, whether it's Lucy, whether it's Victoria, um, whether it's Henry. Uh, it, was, it was fun. I loved her first meeting with Henry, like I kind of mentioned before. Um, he's just like staring at her and she's kind of like, okay. Uh, but it was it was fun and I love her relationship with Lucy um a single mom just looking out for her daughter and not wanting her daughter to be taken away from her um we kind of reminded when Emma was going to leave town with Henry because she wanted to keep him away from someone who was so evil at the time um And so that kind of gave us some flashbacks to the first season there, which was fun. But um, I loved her relationship with Lucy. Um, Clear, very clear love of a mother and daughter there. And a mother doing everything possible to to keep her daughter living a good life and providing her daughter with what she needs. And... um, so I'm, re- I'm really excited to explore their dynamic as well as Henry's, the dynamic she has with Henry the most. But I, I really like Danya as um, Jacinda or Cinderella. She, I think, did a fantastic job, and um, I'm, I'm excited to see more. Yeah, I'm a little biased towards her as well because I was introduced to her on a TV show called Devious Maids, and she was awesome on Devious Maid. So I was really excited when she was cast on the show. Once again, a little worried because we were getting another Cinderella and whatnot, but I really feel like she made Cinderella her own. And I liked seeing her pre-curse. I liked seeing her post-curse in Hyperion Heights. She's got spunk, as you uh, mentioned, uh, Katie, which is nice. She's very Snow White-ish in the sense that... In uh, the um, in the uh, precurse world, you know she's got a mission. She's trying to right some wrongs that happened to her family and whatnot. She was very um, bandit snow in a sense, and uh, then in Hyperion Heights. You know, she's trying to do the best she can with this uh, situation that she's in. And uh, I really, you know, felt for her. And uh, I was impressed by Dania and her, like, different chemistry with the rest of the cast. Like, immediately her and Henry, I don't know where the internet uh, didn't see this because I read a lot of comments of like, I don't see their chemistry and whatnot, but like just their meat cutes, both in the magical forest or whatever we're calling it. And in Hyperion Heights, they were kind of adorable and uh, their meat cute in uh, the past was similar ish 
to uh, the snow and charming meet cute and then their meet cute in the present i mean it was nice like you could i don't know i saw it but like the chemistry they had was like oozing all over the place and a different chemistry than snow and charming i mean obviously nothing can compare to it although i mean in interviews and whatnot they sort of stated that these two are sort of the snow and charming of um the series from here on out but i like them and uh I also like the anti the antagonistical chemistry that uh, Cinderella had with Lady Tremaine, as well as Jacinda with Victoria Belfry. Jenna, what about you? Okay, so I I'm also in the I guess that minority people because I really felt the chemistry for with uh, Jacinda and basically everybody who she interacted with. Um, let's start with Henry and uh, first in the Enchanted uh, the Magical Forest. I, I felt that their chemistry is something that's kind of unique. It has, its, it has like, its hallmarks. Like, it has, like, it, it reminds me of snowing. But it's also something very different because you can feel there's that level of trust within them. Like, when they're dancing, just Cinder doesn't, um, Cinderella doesn't need to tell Henry that she's going to kill the prince. She could have just so easily come up with a lie. But you can tell she's, she's already started to trust and care about and care about Henry. So she's like, I will tell you the truth what I'm planning on doing. I'll explain why. And you seem great. And maybe in another realm things could have gone well. But in this realm I'm doing this thing. And I like that there's um, a bit of a contrast between her magical forest counterpart and her present co- counterpart. Whereas her magical counterpart isn't as doesn't have as much faith in herself or really anything. She doesn't believe in signs. She doesn't really want to dance. She just figures the happiest she can get is getting revenge for her father. But in Hyperion Heights, she has a lot of faith. Faith that even with even uh, that she can support Lucy no matter the obstacles. Faith that she can stand up to Belfry. Um, faith in her daughter and faith that her daughter will have faith in her. And I like that. I like that contrast a lot. It paints a very cool character. I also like how at the end of the episode, um, I'm now going over to Jacinda. She kind of, her initial, uh, like her spark kind of falters for a second in a way because she has to go back to that awful job. But I kind of like how, but I, as somebody who did grow up with a single mom, I see that it's kind of like there's a point where you do have to suck up your pride and do what you have to in order to do what's best for your children. In fact, the more I think about it, it's kind of a weird contrast to the um, original series. It used to be uh, giving up, like, uh, giving up your child to give them their best chance, but this time it's doing whatever you can to, to hold on to your child, because that's the way they're giving them their best chance. Um, uh, let's see, what else do I have, he- do I have to say? Um, her job also is perfect is perfect for misery inducing because we've all been there and had that just awful job with with terrible customers or a terrible boss and you're just like why am I here this how can this be my life also uh, there's a bit of a stealth pun in there that I noticed the guys uh, Jacinda calls the boss a jerk and they're dealing with chicken yes jerk chicken I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you. you noticed it. And also the the lost shout out was fantastic. Yes. Um yes, yes. 
So, yep, I really adored her chemistry with Lucy. Uh, we only got to see a little flash of it, but I liked her. But I liked her and uh, Sabine's chemistry, and I can't wait to see that. Yes, I totally so, agree. Hmm. Those are basically my thoughts on Jacinda and Dash Cinderella. Okay, let's get into Lady Tremaine, aka Victoria Belfry in uh, Hyperion Heights. And let's also include Drisella, a.k.a. Ivy, in Hyperion Heights, since uh, the majority of Ivy scenes were with uh, Lady Tremaine, or Drisella's scenes were with her mother anyway, and we didn't really get that much of Drisella. And uh, I'll start off, and uh, I will say... I really liked her, and I was worried. Like, I know that I keep on starting my comments by saying I was worried, because, I mean, I'll be honest, I was. I think a lot of our listeners and the viewers of the show were a little worried when they heard sort of like reboots and resets and 2.0s and all that kind of stuff. But I really think Gabrielle Anwar like, put her own stank on... Lady Tremaine, like she made Lady Tremaine her own, her own flavor of uh, the evil stepmother, and a very ruthless evil stepmother this time around, because we saw her with uh, Cinderella's fairy godmother clipping her wings, using her wand against her, bibbidi bobbidi boo, kaboom. We saw her kill. In the magical forest, she killed the prince. And then in Hyperion Heights, at least what she's trying to do is she's trying to gentrify the neighborhood. She's bringing in outsiders. She's having all these fairy tale characters move out. She's buying up all these properties. She's uh, basically fighting for sole custody of uh, Lucy. So she's got an interesting plan, and I'm curious to see what ends up happening. I think we're all assuming right now that she's the one that casts the curse, or she's the co-caster of the curse, or something like that, that uh, she might be awake, per se, that she might remember who she is, and you know she's doing all of this to seek vengeance on blah, 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 blah. Um, I mean, we've only seen one episode, so I guess those are the things we have to assume. What I thought was really, really interesting about her, I mean, sort of like besides, like, her villainy and uh, her wickedness and her evilness or whatever you want to call it, I like that they sort of switched in this new realm the idea of magic and power. Because, at least in the Enchanted Forest, like, everyone that was sort of a villain was seeking magic. You know, magic comes with a price. You know, magic is power, basically. And I wrote this down because I loved this line. Because it sort of taught us the rules or the um, the thinking of what magic is in this new realm. Never rely on magic. Magic isn't power, because magic can be taken. But fear, 
fear lasts forever. It's a very different, completely different, a stark contrast on, on like what we're used to with our villains and uh, with sort of like the idea of magic on Once Upon a Time. So I don't know if any of you picked up on that, but uh, feel free to talk about uh, Lady Tremaine and... Well, I didn't mention Drisella. I'll say, Drisella, I really don't know what to say about her, to be quite honest. Because uh, at least in the Precurse era, you know, it seemed like she you know, sort of wants to please her mother, she's, you know, sort of uh, a, a co-conspirator in a sense, and uh, in the present day, I mean, it's basically similar in, in a sense, you know, it seems like she's trying to please her mom and, and do anything that her mom needs, so it's gonna be, like, neat to see what type of uh, shades they add to the Drusilla Ivy character. Jenna, what about you? What did you think of uh, Lady Tremaine and Drusilla? As well okay. as if you want to discuss their thoughts on magic and power. Oh, yes. Well, uh, definitely I picked up on that speech about magic is fear, and I thought that really struck a chord because we haven't... We've had non-magic villains in the past. We've had Cruella and Hyde specifically, but we've never had a non-magic person be the main villain. And I think that this is really interesting that we're getting that that's that she seems to be our main villain and she's not magic. She's not even remotely interested in magic. At least like at least like Hyde and um Hyde and, and uh, Cruella had like a little bit of an interest in magic for their own uses. Like Cruella wanted to use magic to better kill people. And Hyde just kind of, and Hyde just was using whatever magic was on hand just to like help his means. But um, but uh, Belfry Dash Lady Tremaine, she's not even remotely interested in, it. and um, she she'll like experiment with it. But it's like she's like, okay, yeah, I'll do it this once, just for just out of curiosity. It's basically like the equivalent of somebody who's never had a pickle saying, okay, I'll try a pickle. Okay, that was something. Not really interested in trying ha having another pickle. Um, I uh, but for for me, um, one thing that really struck a chord. Uh, it was in that same scene, but it was not that speech. It was the fairy godmother wakes up and she's terrified. And um, Lady Tremaine just says so casually, "I clipped off your wings while you're sleeping." Yeah, and it is. It just shows how intense she is as a villain. That this just means nothing to her. There's just no remorse. There's not even, like, a wickedness. It's just so casual to her. And I'm just, like, wondering, how did she get to this point? Like, Regina, she used she used that, the, uh, she used her, like, love of villainy as almost as a coping mechanism for how much, for how just angry she was with the world and herself and Snow White. Rumple like, used his, like, sets of giggles as a coping mechanism for not being able to get one's affection because of Balefire and Belle and Mila and all that. And just to see her and um, just to see this casualness where she's maybe she's using this as a coping, but right now she's just, okay, yeah, I, I just clipped off your wings. No biggie. So it, that's just terrifying. Um, the, 
uh, for Victoria Belfry, I, as if for, I really like her interactions with Regina. She's definitely a big boss, and I'm wondering maybe in some way in the future, is Regina going to, like, pick, like, on an, I guess subconsciously pick up on that because she used to be similar, like, she used to be the big bully back in season one, but she obviously changed. Maybe in some way she'll kind of almost have, like, a criminal mind, and she'll be like, hey, I understand how this person's thinking. This is, like, maybe you should take care of your problem this way, or maybe this is what we can use to appeal to her when talking to Henry or Jacinda in the future. Um, I really like her interaction with her daughter. She's it, It's very Cora-esque, and I guess that'll lead me to talk about Drusilla. Um, interviews have said that Drusilla is definitely more than she seems, and I feel like we're getting to the start of that. So we mm-hmm. right now we definitely see that she's trying to replace her, she's trying to please her mother, but you just have to wonder how long is that going to go on for? What is her snapping point? Where's her where are her limits? Um, why why does she seem so in, why is she so interested in pleasing her mother? I think that right now we've been left a lot of we've been left a lot of room for speculation, fear, but most importantly, intrigue in these two characters. So those are my thoughts. I agree with you one thousand percent, and I hope that what they said in the interview is correct. That we'll get a little bit more of Drusilla because uh, she was a little one note in the episode. But I mean, I mean to be quite honest, we were introduced to so many new characters that. Uh, you know, she sort of got the short end of the stick, kind of like uh, Rogers and uh, Weaver. Katie, what about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to kind of say the same thing. I feel like I didn't get enough of Drizella or Ivy slash Ivy to make any sort of comments about her, except that I think I'm. we're definitely just going to need more to really solidify what my opinion is of her. Um, you can tell that there is this underlying this underlying maliciousness to her. So this underlying pettiness. So it's going to be interesting to explore that more as the season progresses. Um, But Lady Tremaine, uh, I feel like she needs to grow on me a little bit more, but I absolutely love that she, she does have a sense of, even more evilness by the fact that she doesn't seem bothered by all the things that she's doing. Like, she's just, you know, kind of like Jen was saying, you know, I clipped your rings, whatever. I'm not going to reflect on that. I just, I did it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's sometimes more terrifying than um, seeing them do the evil deed and be all twisty mustache about it. Um, So it was definitely interesting and different than what we've seen before in a villain um especially when the evil queen was our main villain of season one um this is a different twist to it it's very different and kind of fresh and exciting and i'm really excited to explore her character more and just what has led her to this point of being so evil um so i i'm just i'm excited so I really can't say anything more than what you guys have already said, except that it's going to be a lot of fun to explore her character and see what she brings to the table. 
Now let's get into Alice, aka Tilly, in Hyperion Heights. We got a couple of interesting scenes with Alice that are... they were just mysterious. And so I want to get both of yours, like, reaction to it. But I do want to say, because I have a theory, and I just want to put it out there, it could be a crack theory, it might not even come to fruition, but this is the vibe that I'm getting right now. I think Alice is the Dark One from her realm. Oh, wow! I didn't even think about what? that. That is, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Thank you. I'm so glad because I was like, "Is this going to be on the internet already?" Because I don't want to feel like I took, you know, I don't want no. people to think that I took it. But I was watching no. the episode again for the second time, and she's very Rumpelstiltskin, season mm -hmm. one. If you think about what? it, the big, the big theory surrounding her character is that she is actually a daughter of Rumpelstiltskin. Or, or I've also heard Emmett Hook's daughter, too, is another one that they're throwing around. Oh, I haven't heard because that one. Interesting. I've, they also said, like, in the interview, she's going to have both a friendship with Rumpel and Hook as well. And a lot of there's been a lot of photo comparisons of, uh, of Alice's actress and um, Colin and Jennifer. And some people are thinking that, too. But I have heard the Rumpel one is more prevalent, especially because there's, a, they've heard, there's been a lot of teasing about those two interacting. That'll be interesting, like, where she would fall into the timeline if she's Rumpel's child. I kind of don't like the idea of her being a sibling of Henry, just because she's in a different realm and whatnot, and at the time, well, I guess Henry didn't recognize her, and, and so I guess it, depending on how long he would have been on his adventure and how time works and whatnot. I think that one's a little bit messier, to be quite honest. But she could still be a dark one and be any of what you all just mentioned, to be quite honest. I just, I got the vibe from her. The cloak was very dark one-ish. Um, her realm, not her realm, but her, um, whatever you would call it, like where she took Henry was very dark one-ish, like the vines around him, and then like the vines magically disappeared, was very dark one-ish. So I just got dark one vibe from her, because if there's a dark one in the Enchanted Forest, then there should be a dark one in the Magical Forest. So who's to say that that dark one isn't Alice? And uh, Rumpel knows Alice, and Alice has been all over the place, not just Wonderland, remember? So, I don't know. I, I still like my theory. Um, but then again, last season we had the theory that um, the, what was her name? The Prophecy Girl was Jafar in disguise. So That didn't pan out. That didn't pan out. <laughs> but I like my theory of Alice being the dark one of her realm. Yeah. So we'll see what ends up happening. But uh, Katie, since you're exclaiming in excitement and in, <laughs> you know, agreeing, what about you? What did you think of Alice? I really liked the little small taste we got into her. Just the way that she jumped off of the roof and like lands in front of Henry and just kind of like sidles away was so intriguing. It's like, what the heck? But I, I she's so mysterious. And I love mysterious characters because that means we're in for a good story. And I think that we've got a good one with Tilly. Um, 
And seeing her, we got, you know, even more of a mysterious look into her in the Enchanted Forest where, you know, she's obviously Alice. She has the bottle, the drink me bottle. Why the heck is she talking about Henry and the fact that he's in someone else's story? Mm-hmm. It's just And she knows Rumple, and I'm going to assume dark ones from yeah. different realms know each other, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've gotten a tease in a few articles about dark ones because some people have asked you know are we going to see any different dark ones and they've kind of teased that we might so maybe i think maybe you're right so i think that'd be an interesting route but um regardless i'm interested to see where they go with her character yeah i think regardless she's just fascinating so whether she's a dark one or whether she's just you know a character that has acquired magical blah 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 you know throughout her trips around the realms and the lands and uh, the books or whatever i think she seems just really interesting and fascinating nonetheless jenna what about you what's your first impression on Uh, alice before i go into it imagine if the dark ones have like dark ones skype calls once a week talking about all the guys he's killed the other dark ones and like Hmm, impressive. Have you tried using poison? It's really good this time of year. Everybody's having hot tea. You could definitely kill a bunch of people using the poisons. <laughs> um, yes. Oh my gosh. Can we please have a scene like that? I I'm want at Adam and Eddie. <laughs> um. So one thing that I first came up with about Alice. Um. You guys, have you guys ever seen Les Mis? The musical Les Mis. Yes. Well, I'm. Yes, I saw the movie. Okay, that works. Um, it, it's basically the same thing because uh, I'm. She reminds me of a mix between um Gavroche, who's like the little kid who's kind of like the town informant. Mm-hmm. Um, also with a mix of being the Mad Hatter because she's just so wacky. Um, Ooh. It, it it's cool because it's very it's unique. She's she obviously ca- she obviously uh cares about giving Weaver the information that he seeks and. She and she's at least invested for whatever reason in helping Rumple get in con, helping um, Rumple's points get through to Henry. Whether mm-hmm. or not that, whether or not it's care, it's caring for a sibling or a cousin or whatever, or just, or is it some loyalty to? Is it loyalty to Rumple or Weaver? And you have to wonder what does she know? Hey, maybe she's not even. Maybe she her memories were spared. Maybe like they're maybe well, actually, like, I didn't mention this, but I feel like she's awake, which yeah, also leads into like... my theory that she's a dark one because, as we saw, well, Rumpel wasn't always awake, but once he heard the yeah. name Emma, he became awake or he he wakened, wakened, woke, whatever. Um, the English like, language like... listeners, but um. Maybe when she saw Henry, that's... That's what I was about to say. There you go. Okay, all right. We are on the same wavelength, Jenna. So <laughs> maybe it's like a sight-oriented thing, or mm-hmm. maybe Lucy accidentally woke her up in some way, shape, or form. Maybe we're going to see, like, maybe in whenever Alice gets her moment in the sun, we'll see. Um, or maybe she read the book and something came Well, through. I think the look that she gave him... I think that's the moment because she was like, oh, you're here. Like, I remember you. Mm-hmm. I remember everything now. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. It's very possible. I just, 
I like her interactions with Henry. It's very casual, but definitely, but meaningful, too. And I can't wait for the next time they interact. Like, I'm, I'm kind of now reminded of when Rumpel and Emma interacted after their first interaction, mm-hmm. where it was kind of like, Emma was still, like, thrown off because it was very weird to be interacting with the guy the first time, and then for him to show up at her apartment. When's the next time that Alice and Henry are going to interact? Is mm-hmm. it... Is she just going to be around town? Is she going to come to his house to say something about Lucy or Jacinda or Weaver? And, like, how is he going to react? And what kind of conversations are they going to have? Yeah, I'm fascinated. I'm here for it. I'm intrigued. I'm curious. Curious and curiouser. And for those out there that loved uh, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, like, I feel like she gave a very different Alice. It's certainly a more like a like a creepy, mysterious. Uh, you don't know where she's coming from, Alice, which I totally approve of. Undeniably. Yes, and the final character that we'll get into before we discuss Lucy is Princess Tiana. Sabine. We didn't get much of her, but we got two really great scenes with her. And I loved her. I loved the frog legs joke. Uh, She looked gorgeous as a princess. And I love the little that we saw of her dynamic with uh, Jacinda. What about both of you? I totally agree. We didn't get a lot of her either, but what we did get made me very intrigued. She actually was one of my favorite new characters on the show even with the little amount that we saw of her um makia cox did a great job portraying her i love the little joke about the frog legs and even with the little scene with her and jacinda made me so excited to see more of them in the upcoming episodes um i think that they chose someone who's going to do a really great job and i'm just really excited to see more of her like i'm counting down the weeks until we get to her backstory episode (laughs) okay so um the princess and the frog is one of my favorite disney movies and tiana's actually my favorite disney princess so nice when i found out out she was coming to the show i was really happy i don't know if either of you guys read mechia's interview uh i think it was like a week or two ago Mm -hmm. where she's actually talking about like being tiana and everything um, it's funny that you mentioned the the dress earlier because she actually, when she first saw the dress, she it was before she wore it, and she was like, "Oh, that's such a pretty dress. Who's wearing it?" And they're like, "You," and she was just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yes, and, that was such a cute little interview. Mm-hmm. And she just and she really nailed her enchanted forest scene. As small as it was, it was perfect. And I, you know what? I get the fact that we can't get too much development for some characters in the first episode because, you know, give a little taste of everybody, but there has to kind of like be some level of focus because if it was all however many of them there were, mm-hmm. it would just be a little out of whack. So, but what we got was good. And then seeing Sabine and um, Jacinda in the flashback is nice. They have this very, you get the feeling that they know each other really well. And obviously they're roommates and, and like, they're, like, you can see there's a level of almost co-parenting with Lucy. And I feel like Sabine, in a way, is almost, like, Sabine and Jacinda kind of ground each other. Because, like, Jacinda, Sabine's reminding Jacinda about their wrench jar. 
which is a nice throwback to Princess and the Frog as well. And yeah, it's just, I really liked what we saw of her. I agree. I liked Makia Cox a lot. I'd seen her a few years ago on this TV show called Undercovers, and I hadn't seen her in anything since then, so I'm glad she's back on my TV screen. And of course, we have to talk about Lucy, basically Henry 2.0. What did you all think of Lucy? We got a little teeny tiny taste of her during the two-hour season six finale, but we got a whole lot of Lucy this time around. Uh... Let's talk about Lucy. Jenna, you can go first. Thank you. Um, so the thing, so uh, when after I saw the season six finale, I actually wanted to see more of uh, the actress Allison Fernandez. So that got me to start watching Jane the Virgin because she plays a younger version of Jane, and I actually really got into that show. But she, but besides the point, she's a really good actress. So I started watching it, and I was watching. It's like there is no mistake that this is Henry Mill's daughter. Not only like the parallels with Henry, but like, her sneaking out and covering up her bed, the relentless, um, her relentless persistence in faith, her, like, her attachment to the symbols and the town. Um, she, we haven't seen her interact that much with the townspeople, which makes her a little different than Henry. Like, she doesn't have, like, a Mary Margaret. She doesn't have an Archie, in a sense. But there's also, but it's also only the first episode. There's time to bring in more of those relationships, and also what's different about like Lucy from the younger Henry is that she has both parents playing this part in it. She has she's like Henry is similar to in, in the Emma position, but also but the fact she does have her mother around too, it kind of adds another level she's doing all the princess the, the parent trap things to bring to bring her parents together and getting them to talk and it's working she's like i feel like had neil been in the show in season one and been and been in storybrook henry would be doing a similar thing stealing emma's laptop to bring them both to granny's or something like that and just i love lucy spunk i love her spirit I love also the fact that she has vulnerabilities and that you see her, you see her cave, but not in an unrealistic way. Like she's like, she gets a point where she's willing to follow her mother, even though she knows it's, it's going to kind of detract from her efforts to take down the curse because she has, because she, you know, she loves her mother. She has a lot of faith in her and she, and there's also not as, there's not that much contemptness between, um, uh, we don't see a lot of this between Lucy and the grandmother. She's not say, she's not talking about Lady Tremaine, how like Henry talked about Regina in season one. And I, and I'm really, it makes me excited to see their relationship because there's a shared custody thing. So what is that going to, how is that going to come out? Does Lucy know that that, that uh, she's Lady Tremaine or, is it just, I know my mom, I know my dad, and maybe Cinderella just didn't bring Lady Tremaine up uh, during her childhood because she didn't want to, she didn't want uh, Lucy to have to think about that. She wanted her to focus on having a happy childhood, or she just doesn't know what Lady Tremaine looks like for whatever reason. So for me, I feel like that brings up a really cool dynamic that hopefully we're going to see in the next episode or two. Yeah. I agree. 
100% with what you just said, Jenna. And I'm excited to see Lucy and what she does to basically get her parents back together. I'm also curious to see what she knows. Kind of like what you mentioned, Jenna. Like, does she know who everyone is? Because Henry, back in season one, knew who some people were and not others. Because uh, for the longest, he, he didn't know who Mr. Gold was. So... We'll see how much she knows, and I'm, I'm curious to know a little bit more about what she thinks she knows, because uh, that's, that could lead to some really interesting conversations, or at least some interesting conversations for us she's going to have with Henry, you know, where Henry's going to probably be like, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about, basically. Also, she didn't recognize Officer Rogers as, uh, her, as her step-grandfather, so... Again, well, we don't really know... I'll say this. We don't really know who she knows. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I Because I don't think we can go off of uh, just one scene with them in that sense, per se. Okay. Because it's the pilot, and yeah. that, that would be a lot of exposition. If she does know who other people are, then I'm sure she'll start dropping hints for us, the um, the viewers. Maybe? I gotcha. Katie? Okay, well, I agree with what everyone was saying. Um, I really like Lucy, and that that says a lot because in the first season, well, throughout the show, I always loved Henry, too. And I know that some people can get annoyed by little kids and kid actors, but I love what Lucy did, or what Allison did with Lucy's character. Um, she really echoed her father's character in the first several seasons, but she gave her own new spin. You can definitely tell that she is the the, uh, the product of Cinderella and Henry. You know, you've got the truest believer, but you also got someone with spunk. And I think it was just fun. She did such a good job taking out the mantle of the truest believer, someone who's going to do whatever she needs to to get people to believe again and um, or to get people to get back to the role that they need to be playing. And I think she just did a fantastic job with that. Um, we didn't get to see a lot, but she was just she was so cute. And I'm, I'm really excited to see her character throughout the, sh throughout the rest of the show, whether that be one season or more. Um, I selfishly would love to see more seasons just to see her grow up and see what kind of transitions her character goes through specifically. Um, whether she keeps this heart of a truest believer um, or just to see the different challenges that she'll be faced, kind of like what Henry was faced with as well. Um, and also kind of related, uh, it was fun to see not only does she have the spunk of Cinderella, but she has a spunk of her grand, her great grandmother, Snow White, um, kind of like they were saying in the interviews, she definitely does echo that um, in a way. So I really enjoyed her character, and I'm like I've been saying for everyone else, I'm excited to see more. Nice. So uh, I know that we kind of touched on the story as we've been discussing the characters, but any final thoughts on the story as a whole that we saw in uh, this premiere? You know, seeing the different relationships and learning the idea of, uh, I guess, what uh, 
Victoria Belfry is doing with uh, gentrifying the neighborhood and uh, seeing our characters start to get sort of like the little spark of hope in their eyes at the end. In particular, Ronnie and Jacinda making a wish and Henry curing his writer's block and then, you know, seeing that this community garden is starting to grow. Uh, I kind of like that it, the obstacles, in a weird way, feel bleaker than they ever have for a cursed town. Like, in Storybrooke, I felt like, in some way, I felt like hope kind of, like, bled off the place. But in Hyperion Heights, I feel like there's so many, there's a lot of, there's so there's a lot of mean spiritedness to the town, and that's not a take. That's not like a bad take, but it's just like Belfry's place. It seems like Belfry does everything she can to make everybody who works for her miserable. And Rogers, um, Rogers and Weaver's um, co-workers, they're also bitter and just disconcerted with anything that's not like their directly their paycheck. And um, Jacinda's manager is such a jerk. And it and it really feels like for realistic problems, there everything looks so bleak. So those little sparks of hope, they're tiny, but they but they mean so much more because like we're because we're in this weird unpleasantness. We're in Storybrooke. The only the only real un- bits of unpleasantness were Regina and Rumpel, but everybody else like. Things were, things were, like, not great, but people were still trying to be cheery about it. Like, Granny was really excited to welcome Emma into the inn, and, um, and, um, Grumpy still, like, had, like, his charms to him. There was always, like, there was a level of pleasantness, a level of hope, like, even thing, even though things weren't perfect, like, everybody was trying to make the best of it, whereas, I feel like in Hyperion Heights, sometimes people are trying to make the trying to make the worst of it so seeing that positive movement as small as it is because the episode does end in some ways just as hopeful as it ends it also ends a little bleakly like Jacinda has to go back to her bad job um Rogers is getting partnered up with a corrupt cop um Lucy gets let down by Henry in a big way but there is this hope so you so and it shines bright really bright somehow that's what I've got to say. Mm-hmm. I totally, definitely agree with literally everything everything you said. Um, I don't know. It just the story made me so intrigued and made me so excited to see what's going to happen. Um, it's clear we are. It, there's such a different tone to the season, and I, I like that. I like how. The first six seasons, we got this coastal feel to a tiny town where um, we don't have modern, much modern technology. And now everything's modern. It's a modern town with swift drivers, with cell phone, you know, like updated cell phones, with a real police station. It's so modern. And it's such a, it, it really brings a different feel to the show. And I like that. I like that they've gone that route. And it's going to be very interesting to explore um and the different tone accompanies a different you know it accompanies the recall it shows us that we are transitioning from one era into the next era and it's not a bad thing because they've done it in a very good way and 
the story that's going to go forward from here is it's going to be very interesting to see play out, you know, whether it's between Cinderella trying to keep um, Lady Tremaine, or I'm sorry, Jacinda trying to keep Victoria from getting custody of her daughter, whether it's um, Weaver and Rogers, whether it's what is Tilly's character going to be, whether it's is Victoria's character going to gentrify the neighborhood? Who's going to stand up to her now that Ronnie has stood up to her? Um, and everything that happens in the Enchanted Forest, you know, what's going to happen, or the Magical Forest, what's going to happen there? Um, it's just, it's fun. It's it's fresh, and it was done in such a good way. I mean, I, I always watch a show with my mom, and she always kind of gives me a good look into what the general population usually thinks of the show. And when she finished it, she said the same thing that I did. She said, that was a really good way to reboot the show. And I, I definitely agree with that. And I hope that the general population thinks the same, too, and keeps tuning in. Because I think we're in for a great run of episodes. Whether this is the last season or not, I think that we're in for a great, great ending or new beginning to a show a happy beginning yes exactly we will see <laughs> yeah i'm intrigued by the storyline i'm curious to see where it goes i loved the line at the end of regina's monologue or i should say ronnie's monologue at the end of the episode the final line is because the first step for a new beginning is to imagine that it can be realized and this is what the series is now you know it, it's a new beginning to uh, this story that we are very familiar with so i'm excited to see what's going to happen next i like the new characters i love the new personas of our favorites uh, i'm of the ilk that believes that a lot of our favorites that aren't series regulars are still a part of the show in the sense that my theory is that our favorite people are cursed and uh, maybe they've already been gentrified. They've already left Hyperion Heights. So... I think that when we start seeing some of uh, our favorites that didn't return as uh, series regulars and we start seeing them in the present day, they're going to be characters that are cursed that uh, had already left the neighborhood, I think at least. We'll, we'll have to see. So uh, now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? And the rule is simple. You know, if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one. And since it is her very first show, I'm going to be very kind to you. So, uh, Jenna, you are first. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> my, MV my MVP is Lucy. The casting for her was phenomenal. I think for a child actress, she is really, really talented. The writers did a lot of things to make her to make her feel like this ch the child of Henry, feel like she inherited his beliefs, and also kind of made her different too. Also, like with parts of Jacinda thrown in, but also something that's completely different from anything else that anyone has ever 
that anyone has ever been. She took a role and she made it her own and she's Lucy and she has a lot of and she's got great interactions with people. She has she's very nuanced, she's realistic. She has her she has her weak points. She is only a kid, but she's also really resourceful and she's not letting things hold her back. She's she's Lucy and I feel, and if I may add a letter to that, we're very lucky to have her. Mm-hmm. That was adorable. <laughs> You're welcome. Katie, you may go next. Okay, well, thankfully, Jenna did not take my MVP. <laughs> but um, she would have been my second MVP, so we're good. Um, I My MVP is Henry. Um, probably the obvious answer, but, um, he made me so happy. Uh, Andrew did a great job picking up on Henry, the Henry that we know and love, and bringing him to a new, a new level, and he acted him very well. Um, he brought a different version of Henry that we haven't seen very much of, if not anything at all before um with him being skeptical with him not having the heart of the truest believer but he also brought us a great version of him when he's still in the magical forest and is very very much a believer in magic so so i am i he gets my mvp for being fantastic this episode nice um, I'm trying to think, should I go the obvious route, or should I go for the wild card? Um, I'm going to go the obvious route, just because it's the first one of uh, the season. And I'm going to go with Ronnie. I-, I love Regina, and I love Ronnie. I, I thought the character was uh, very uh, well executed. Uh, I loved what uh, Lana did with Ronnie, and I loved the writing that they gave uh, for Ronnie as a character. So, uh, yeah, she was just impressive. She was awesome. Seeing her, you know, sort of uh, downtrodden and ready to give up. And then all of a sudden, you know, she got inspired. And, uh, you know, she's ready to fight against the establishment, basically. And uh, I liked seeing her fighting spirit. And uh, for those out there that were curious, the wild card would have been Alice. So an honorable Ooh. mention. I think all of us would give an honorable mention to Alice. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So now it is time to rate the episode on a 1 to 10 Apple scale. The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden apple. So uh, we'll go in reverse order, so that means I will go first, and uh, I'm going to give it eight and a half apples. I thought it was a really good premiere Um, I mean, it was a little exposition heavy, but I mean, obviously, we're being introduced to brand new characters as well as uh, new versions of characters that we've grown to love. So for a first episode, I thought it was a really well done episode, and I'm definitely curious to see what's to come. So for me, eight and a half apples. Katie, what about you? 
I'm going to give it nine and a half apples because I, (laughs) I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great fresh start to the show. It felt like a great, another pilot, which was fun. Um, and I loved all the new characters. I mean, some of them have to grow on me, but that's okay. I, I feel like they will. So I'm really excited. Um, and I, the only thing that I didn't really, that got to me a little bit was it felt like the pacing was a little off. Maybe the transitions were a little fast. Um, but that might have to do with the tone of the show being that it's in Hyperion Heights now um, and things in the modern world move faster so it might be something that we'll just have to get used to and that's okay too but um, that was really all that threw me off from this episode um, except for you know all the explanations and the exposition like you said but I guess that was kind of to be expected so um, nine and a half apples for me I like it so eight and a half a nine and a half what about you Jenna I'm going to give it an eight apples out of ten. Um, I thought I thought it was really good. It introduced us to many different characters that have the potential for so many for so much chemistry, so many unique dynamics that are that I can't see them going there. I can't see them going badly at all. Uh, my complaints are pretty small. One, some of the sets didn't really wow me, like. Like, some of the signs, like, for the police office, like, outside, they're just, say, police, and it made the town feel a little bit less real, and I feel like Ronnie's didn't really, like, Ronnie's is off to a start, and also I can understand because it's kind of, it was in the process in that episode of being sold, so it didn't get to show off itself as much as it would like, but I guess, like, I want to see a little bit more from the sets. And also, I guess I, I feel like I just want to see a little... I felt like I just, it needed a little bit more Jacinda. But those, but the complaints are really small, and it doesn't... And they don't outweigh the good things by far. It's still Once Upon a Time. It still has great character dynamics, flawless casting, really good music, really good chemistry, really good potential. So, yep, that's my rating. And on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybook Weekly Mirror. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash storybrookweeklymirror. Follow us on Tumblr, storybrookweeklymirror.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Storybrooke Weekly Mirror and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, guys. Have a good evening. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, 
Google Play and the Poppy Chula Radio archives and download our special spoiler edition of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror every Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night.